When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Tuesday Buckeye Talk. Douglas Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, Jim Knowles, Ryan Day, and Kevin Wilson. First day of Ohio State spring football practice on Tuesday morning. We watched them warm up. We watched three practice periods, which are five minutes each. And then we talked to Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, and Kevin Wilson for like 20 to 25 minutes each. So we got a lot of good football info. This podcast here on Tuesday afternoon is going to focus on the defense. Is that right? Yeah. And then the offense we will do on Wednesday as a Wednesday morning pod. So we're just going to break it up because there's a lot to go over. So um, we did some videos. You can find them on our YouTube channel. I don't know if you guys are subscribed to that. Sometimes the YouTube channel videos, it's similar content sometimes, but sometimes those get up a little earlier than the podcast. You can always go there. It's cleveland.com. Go to YouTube, put in cleveland.com and Ohio State. You'll find it. It'll come up. Um, so let's start in the secondary, guys. And let's start with Court Williams. I had really come around to the idea that I really thought, man, he might be in the linebacker room. And we get there and he's playing with the safeties. And he's a safety. Jim Knowles, we asked about that. He made that clear. Nathan, he said he likes Court Williams deep, getting that overall view of the defense, which allows him to sort of then diagnose and see what's up. It still feels like he will have ample opportunity to be involved in the run game. I just think that's a lot of what he does best. I kind of want him up a little bit near the line of scrimmage sometimes, attacking running backs, you know, getting after receivers on short passes. So I, I think Jim Knowles will find – listen, Jim Knowles is smart. He'll figure this out. But was I on an island there thinking that Court Williams might be a linebacker? Or what did you think of the idea well, of like, man, that guy's a safety? No, I think it that – that was worth throwing out there. I think I threw it out there one of the podcasts we did just because he has a very linebackerish body. He was recruited as a bullet. And at the time of our understanding of what that was, it seemed like a more hybrid position than what it maybe turned out to be. When they played him extensively in the Rose Bowl, it was to get him on the field as an additional piece of run support against what 
Utah did being such a, you know, run heavy multiple tight end team. So there were a lot of things that would certainly lead you to throw that out there as speculation. I think Jim Knowles' description of the whole thing, though, makes sense that because of the sort of football IQ, the leadership acumen, all those things that they see in Court Williams, and then athletically on top of all that, it makes sense to have him at a position where, and especially the one that they're talking about him at, the boundary safety position, the strong safety position, however you want to call it, there's going to be some fluidity in that, and we'll 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 hammer down the terminology and, and assign it to players as we go. Uh, we're still, you know, learning all that as as we watch what they do with these guys. It, it makes sense. I think still just the the question then though becomes when you have a healthy Josh Proctor, when you have Ronnie Hickman, when you have Court Williams, when you have probably some, you know, Bryson Shaw, I mean, it, it starts to stack up pretty quick just in terms of numbers back there. And I, that's obviously a strength for Ohio state that they haven't necessarily had, as we were talking about after practice, you haven't always been able to say the last couple of years, look back there and say like, Oh man, like when they go two or three deep at safety, they're, they're pretty solid. That, that's been a while. Um, so that's a, a plus I, don't know yet who will fit into that, but again, that very early in the spring. Nickel is a nickel. Bandit. Well, no, is the no, no, well, no, no. We don't, that's like a whole thirty-minute segment. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm naming oh, that's positions. Be, oh, okay, so we're gonna do that. Okay. I fine. interrupted so the end of the Jim Knowles news conference to say, "Can you please yeah. tell us the name yeah. of the positions of your defense? Don't jump the gun. That's okay, like fine. my." That was my Dougie special at the end of okay. the news conference. Okay, cool, cool, cool. We're talking we'll, about we'll, we'll Court save that Williams. Then. Okay, We're talking about Court Williams. Um, I think now that we have an understanding of what Court Williams, what he sees Court Williams doing, I think it is it makes perfect sense why he's still a safety. Mainly because it was asked, could you see Court Williams?" And um, we, we we thought he was going to be a linebacker because it's like, well, if if. Roddy Hickman's coming back and he's already a safety and Josh Brock just coming back and he's already a safety. Is, is Court Williams going to get squeezed out until today when he, when Jim Knowles got asked straight up, could you see Court Williams and Ronnie Hickman being on the field together? And he just, his eyes kind of lit up and was like, yes, I would love to see those two on the field together. So now that you know that information, then it makes perfect sense why he's still a safety because he's a safety who can hit like a linebacker, which is what strong safeties often are. This was a very informative statement, I think, by Jim Knowles. It helps us understand a lot of things. He said, this is a safety-driven defense, which in a world where we're coming from single high, when we were trying to assign positions and what guys are doing, it's like, oh, they're playing. This was not a safety-driven defense for the past couple of years. This was like, well, they play in three corners, or what's this safety thing now? Or there's a bunch of linebackers on the field, and there's like a safety kind of floating in center field. But all he's doing is making sure guys don't turn, you know, 12 yard slants into 70 yard touchdowns. Safety driven defense, I thought was a defining sentence that that is valuable to you guys listening to this as we think about this. But it does, as you guys said, help crystallize how Court Williams fits in here, because, Stephen, you said you did grab Jim Knowles a little bit after. The two deep safety positions are not dissimilar. That there's maybe, I think, this bandit strong safety, obviously a little more runs responsibility. And we will say Jim Knowles said this specifically about Court Williams. He's been playing a lot of our boundary safety position, the one we call bandit. We feel like he can get into the run fit there because that's the thing. I want Court Williams involved in stopping the run. We feel that he's a guy who's a leader. 
Um, I watched him work in the weight room. He's a worker. He's a leader. So I like him. I like him with more depth and vision to be able to see the ball and to control kind of the movements of the secondary. But again, it's like, well, that's Ronnie Hickman too. But then Landis followed up and asked about Ronnie Hickman. And he said, both these guys can be on the field together because, and he calls, now we can get into the names a little bit, the bandit, strong safety, boundary safety. Then there's the deep center field safety that he called the adjuster. Which is like, what is that? As Nathan said, wants to get that sponsored by Nationwide. But that's what we would think of as the Josh Proctor or Bryson Shaw position, Stephen. But he's saying, I can see Ronnie Hickman there. And I'll get the quote, but he wants Ronnie Hickman and Court Williams on the field together. And I thought that brought a lot of clarity to how are you going to fit some dudes in all these spots? I think one the, the reason he picked the name of Chester is simply just because it's the free safety and they're always adjusting things. So it's not the most creative name in the world. It's just, it's new to us. And so we're going to sit here and analyze it for the next hour. Cause that's what we do here on Buckeye talk. We take things and we analyze them. I, the way he was describing Ronnie Hickman, it makes it seem like Ronnie Hickman is no longer going to be doing the job Ronnie Hickman was doing last year. He, he sees him as a free safety because in more in shorter words than he used, he just kept calling him smart. And that's what you want out of a free safety adjuster, whatever word you want to use for it. You want the guy who's calling your defense back there and basically last line of defense to, to be smart. Not saying Court Williams isn't smart. It's just that Ronnie Hickman, that's one of his best traits back there. And that's what gets both of them on the field. If Court Williams is doing the job Ronnie Hickman was doing a year ago, while Ronnie Hickman is just now a free safety. This is the answer on Court and Ronnie playing together. Quote from Jim Knowles. I do envision them playing together. Uh, talk about Ronnie Hickman. I think he's a heads up guy. I think he's a football player. He understands defense. He communicates. He's got a great personality. He's everything I want at safety. So I definitely want him on the field and I want court on the field too. Nathan, listen, Jim Knowles doesn't have a lot of film, at least, you know, recent film on Josh Proctor who got hurt so early last year. I think again, this is a guy who is new. He's looking at what's in front of him. I can understand why you'd be excited about Court Williams and Ronnie Hickman. And I think they are two of Ohio State's best 11 defensive players. But I don't, I don't know exactly what this means for Josh Proctor. And I think it means Bryson Shaw is a backup, which is what he was last year before Josh Proctor got hurt. And I'm just making this up here on the fly. So the adjuster is the deep free safety. The bandit is the strong safety, the boundary safety. And then the other safety, he said, we'll call nickel. They used to call that like the strike safety in the Oklahoma State defense. He said, hey, you get to a new place, you change the terminology around. We're going to call it the nickel because it is the nickel. He had previously, when we talked to him the first time on signing day, had talked about the idea whenever it was we got Jim Holes a month ago. He wants cover capabilities at that other safety spot. That is a slot corner, nickel safety kind of position. That's where we envision Tanner McAllister. That's what he played at Oklahoma State. The transfer, that's where we envision Cam Martinez. Let me ask this, Nathan. What about Josh Proctor there? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because at some point you're getting into a discussion sort of like the one that we'll eventually have as far as the defensive ends. But, I mean, yeah, I think Ronnie Hickman and Court Williams are two of their best 11 defensive players, but I think Josh Proctor is also one of their best 11 defensive players. I mean, Josh Proctor last year had proven himself to be the best free safety option on this roster. I think he was the better free safety option 
Uh, certainly the Court Williams, although Court Williams was still kind of a little bit behind because of injury, probably was better than Ronnie Hickman at that position. So it, they said today, I mean, Proctor was there today. Proctor was um, at least adjacent to a lot of the drills that we saw today. They said he's going to get worked in more as early as when they return from spring break. So a, a couple of weeks. And then he's got a whole off season to get back into where he needs to be going into next season. I, I don't think that the way they're talking about those two guys today on the first day of spring precludes Josh Proctor. And I think that I, any of those, I mean, maybe not so much core Williams, but I think even Ronnie Hickman could maybe be talked about in that nickel capacity. I think, because remember with Josh Proctor too, yes, he had sort of by last year proved himself to be the best free safety option, but that was a transition he had to make because his more natural position when he came into this program was as that second safety, more of the, the strong safety position. And he had to adjust to what Ohio State's previous defense needed him to be. So he has versatility. And I think that's what's, again, just very intriguing about the back end of this defense right now is that now you start, the options start to pile up when going into last season, they still seemed so thin and it's what made the Proctor injuries seem like such a catastrophe. So they still need great players. They have a lot of, oh, that might be an okay option. They need some great players. You know, don't rotate because nobody's good. Rotate because you want to put great players on the field. But the thing I'm thinking here, Stephen, is, okay, I just never, Court Williams does not have the coverage skills to be a nickel safety who's going to be locked up with guys like that. And does Ronnie Hickman have that capability? I th- he wants Ronnie Hickman back. But Stephen, do we, Josh Proctor has been up. There was a time when we thought maybe Josh Proctor, some of those coverage responsibilities would fit his skills. They have fit his skills before. And I can just see a world where maybe Josh Proctor has a better chance now to get ahead of Tanner McAllister and Cam Martinez than he does to get ahead of Court Williams and Rodney Hickman when Jim Knowles is talking about Court Williams and Ronnie Hickman like this. Do you think Josh Proctor could make sense at nickel safety? He'd be a very different body type than the other guys. Um, and that's part of, and that's part of what I was asking Jim Knowles off on the side. It's because you know, Cameron Martinez is 5'10", 190. Uh, Tanner McAllister is... 511 195 uh is the bigger one of, of the three of those guys he's six foot one 205 josh proctor kind of gets up there that's six foot two 205 um and lathan's was decent but he didn't have necessarily the best coverage skills at times when we got to see him in extended action last year um and it i think josh proctor could do it because he's athletic enough but i don't know if from from the way he was describing what he wants out of that position. I don't know if Josh Proctor best fits it long-term, even if you are trying to do it in the name of getting who you might think are your three best safeties on the field. So if none of those guys are going to play nickel safety, then we're getting squeezed. Then we're starting to squeeze Ronnie Hickman, Court Williams, and Josh Proctor in two spots. And that's fine. But is that more the reality, Nathan, that we think we are facing with the way Jim Knowles talked about Court Williams and Ronnie Hickman today? Yeah, that's my assumption, that it gets to be a a three-man and then – four man with, with Bryson Shaw on the outskirts of it rotation at the back end there, you know, Jansen Dunn, someone else who's hurt, wasn't really in the picture last year. I, but I, that's kind of what I'm saying is I think now you start to look at a picture where you, does it become kind of like the way Kerry Combs wanted to do cornerbacks in the past where you can roll three guys through there and get the most out of, get more out of three guys than you would out of two in, in that capacity. I, I don't know. Some of that will depend on, you know, how Proctor comes back from this injury, because 
I've never had to come back from a broken leg and play Big Ten football. I know people do it. It doesn't seem easy, but it seems like he can. So a lot of unknowns still just in terms of, of how those fit together. But I would imagine after this first day, that's still how I envision it. They were talking about a different kind of athlete at that nickel position, something that looks more like a cornerback at that nickel position and true safeties playing those back two positions. So that would then leave that nickel safety spot, Stephen, for Tanner McAllister or maybe Cam Martinez. They get Tanner McAllister transferring from Oklahoma State with Jim Knowles. We've covered this. People know Jim Knowles kind of thought he was going to go to the NFL, and he said, he said now I'll come play one more year at Oklahoma State. So he talked about Tanner McAllister. I think we can over-talk about Tanner McAllister sometimes because people love the story of the guy coming to do it at Lever. Listen, you know. Ohio State has more good players than Oklahoma State has on defense. So um, it's great that he's a veteran, but it doesn't guarantee anything here at Ohio State. But, Stephen, he did say that Tanner McAllister won one of the offseason, was you know highly rated in the offseason program, that kind of thing. We're getting those little driplets of, of information, Stephen, that, hey, they had their champions dinner, and who was an iron buckeye, and who was most improved in the offseason. Tanner McAllister seems like he came in here and – got to work. And that's basically what Jim Knowles said. He was proud of him. He came in, you know, kind of kept his mouth shut and got to work and showed people what he's about, which means that Tanner McAllister certainly is in that mix. I don't think it's going to be handed to him, but I thought it was a big deal that Tanner McAllister got recognized for what he did in the weight room and in the conditioning program this winter. Fine. I mean, he's also an older guy. So yeah, you applaud it and you listen to that type of stuff, but also I'm, I don't know how shocked you should be by an older guy coming into a program and knowing that he needs to get to work right away. It, it, it's, it's, it feels differently when you hear about underclassmen who are still trying to prove themselves than somebody who is a fifth-year senior and kind of knows how this works already, even if he's trying to learn a new culture. I did like, and again, this is overplayed, I think, Nathan, but that Jim Knowles was like, ah, oh, Tanner McAllister could tell him like, oh, if one day I'm like nice and Mr. Calm and the next day I'm screaming at everybody, he can tell everybody, oh, that's just Knowles. And it was like, oh, so that's how Jim Knowles is. It's like, I, I, I can relate to that. So um, I, I like the idea of, I'm just, we're looking for any little flash of what these guys, the new four new assistant coaches might be like. So apparently Jim Knowles can be calm and cool and collected one day, and then the next day be screaming at everyone. And Tanner McAllister knows that. Yeah, I think that's probably true of every coach on that field, though, to some extent, right? Um, but because he's the new guy, that there there is a little bit of a a you know uh, adjustment period, I suppose. I, I agree with Stephen here. I mean, I think if I had to predict today who starts at uh, nickel on opening day, I'd pick Tanner McAllister. If I had to pick who starts against Michigan at nickel. I, my, my confidence is lower. I, I, right now they're talking about him in important, intangible ways. And I think that was one of the reasons, uh, maybe it wasn't one of the reasons he came here, but it's certainly one of the reasons why Jim Knowles was happy he came here. But at some point you got to go make plays on a field. And I, that's where I kind of then lean in your direction, Doug, that there may just be more talented guys on this roster that can overtake him eventually. Interesting safety group. I thought the Court Williams situation that he's a safety and then just, again, this is what we're doing. You guys know this, I think, by now. We're texting out a boatload of stuff. We told you ahead of time, great time to be a tech subscriber. I mean, we're recording this at 2 o'clock Tuesday afternoon. We probably sent out 8 to 10 texts, Nathan, between like 9 a.m. and noon. Oh, easily. 
e- easily, maybe more like 10, 12. So maybe, maybe too many, but like, it's the first day of spring football. I'm not sure we can send too many texts to you people. So, I mean, yeah, I remember when they started the text and again, we were the Guinea pigs. We invented texting basically. And they were like, ah, one or two a day. And we were like, listen, man, we got like these football fans who want to know what's up. Can we do more than two? So we did 12 before noon. So uh, 614-350-3315. Stephen's dropping basketball stuff in there. Again, the Big Ten basketball tournament starts this week. Stephen will be there Thursday night in Indianapolis for Ohio State to play either Penn State or Minnesota. You're going to get the basketball stuff. We have more interviews on Thursday with receivers and running backs. You're going to want that fast. Then next week is spring break. So they do this now. It's just as a way to get stuff to guys. They do two practices before spring break. They used to start everything after spring break, but now they do two practices and you can like, it's like a primer. And then like they get you information and then guess what? Over spring break, you can like watch film on what everything that happened in the first two days and guys can start to figure stuff out. And then they come back to love 13 more spring practices. Obviously the 15th and final spring practice is the spring game on, what is it? April 16th? Is that right? I think that's the Saturday. May, tw- May 23rd is the pro day. We'll be at that. Just a lot of stuff coming. Great time to sign up for the text. Two-week free trial, 614-350-3315. We'll take a quick break on Buckeye talk. Come, uh, talk. Come back with cornerbacks next after this. Doug Marie, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. So again, like Court Williams was, you're, you're trying to watch the safety stuff and it's like, oh, Court Williams is at the front of the line a lot like with Ronnie Hickman, but like he's leading drills. And it's like, okay, this guy is not just at safety. He's making a mark at safety. Steven watching corners. I thought the, the main four guys who were sort of leading the drill at cornerback, Denzel Burke, Legend Cavazos, who like had a rough time of it when he played last year. And then sometimes you forget about guys like that, but we have a history at Ohio State of guys get, a de- get pushed into a debut before they're ready. And then you're like, well, that's it. He's never going to play. And then it's like, oh, no, he got a lot better. He just like wasn't ready then, but he's ready now. So Legend Cavazos wasn't ready against Oregon at the beginning of last year. Doesn't mean he won't be in the fight now. I thought that was a good reminder. And then Jordan Hancock and Ja'Kalen Johnson, Stephen. Cam Brown kind of doing some stuff on the side, but those were the four guys leading those drills. What do you find interesting about those corners right now? Um, I didn't even think about it that way with Legend Cavazos. That's actually kind of interesting. Maybe he does take a little bit of a leap here now that he's not being thrown out there because he maybe found out that Seven Banks and Cameron Brown weren't ready to play, you know, I don't know, three days before yeah. the game started. So, I'll, yeah, I'll give him that reprieve. But I'm Gary, still, Con- um, Gary on Conley, a very famous example of that, of Gary mm-hmm. on Conley. It was like he was playing against Michigan State. Eli Apple was on the bike and like Gary on Conley got smoked and they were like, Eli Apple, get off the bike. You've got to mm-hmm. play. And then it was like, oh, and then Gary on Conley came back and was a first round pick. And that, so that's I, the interesting like, thing is keep, keep it in mind. Yeah, it, that's it. What makes it more interesting is both situations. You're talking about a Big Ten opponent. It's not like you know, Legend got out there and got dusted while they were playing Akron, so it was okay. Um, but I'm still going to live in the world where I, I, I am not going to be shocked if halfway through the season, when we do our whole drafting the players thing, redrafting the players, if Jaquelin Johnson and Jordan Hancock both get taken before Denzel Burke. And I don't think that'll be a bad thing. I think it'll be a situation of Denzel Burke got in here early last year. 
Seven Banks was out last spring. Cameron Brown was out, still out last spring because he had the the, the torn uh, Achilles from the year before. So he got a lot of extra reps. So he was kind of ready for the moment while Johnson and Hancock showed up in June and they played about as much as you would expect the cornerback to play when they show up in June, especially with JK because he was you know unavailable at times last year. Both of those guys, uh, Ryan Day mentioned them as guys who were most improved and really shined during winter workouts in the offseason. And now they're getting a chance to go through their first spring. Those are two top 100 recruits that we all think expect to at least be in the rotation of whatever the cornerback rotation looks like. Maybe they start flashing that ceiling. And all of a sudden, we're living in a world where Denzel Burke is still a really good corner because he started as a true freshman. But also the two top 100 recruits are starting to play like top 100 recruits. Point of information. JK or Jacqueline? What should I be calling him? JK. All right. You can call J- him either, but like most people call him JK. I think Ryan Day called him JK. Yeah. I like to be formal. But he can call I me mean, Douglas. I'll call him Jacqueline. Or if he calls me Doug, I'll call him JK. Yeah. JK, JK Dobbins' name was technically Jacqueline as well. So yeah, let's go with JK. All right. We'll go with JK. And as you mentioned, Stephen, what Ryan Day said, uh, you know, people kind of say, hey, we got, you know, who had a good offseason? I'll probably forget all the guys that got recognized yesterday and they had their champions dinner to sort of wrap up the offseason program on Monday. But just offhand, a couple of young corners, J.K. Johnson, Johnson and also Jordan Hancock were two of the guys that were recognized as most improved. Uh, it was good to see those guys get recognized. They both put in work last year. J.K. had a shoulder. Uh, Jordan spent some time on scout team or special teams, but they really worked hard and they put in a great offseason. So I know they're looking forward to getting on the field and getting to practice here. Nathan, that's that's all you can ask for two top 100 second-year corners to have the head coach say about that about them coming in. Cam Brown, again, we, and I want to make sure we get to the list of guys who are going to be out for this spring. Cam Brown is not out for the spring, right, Nathan? He's not on that list. Correct. So he was not fully a participant. He was around. I think he was even doing some extra stuff um, at the end of practice with one of the younger guys. So him and Denzel were doing some stuff. He and Denzel Burke were doing some one-on-one, you know, drills about getting off the line of scrimmage, that kind of thing. So don't forget Cam Brown. We're not forgetting Cam Brown, but that group of four young guys, what Cavazos is a third-year guy, and then Burke Hancock and J.K. Johnson are second-year guys. There's some hope in the cornerback room, Nathan, and it's one of the most important areas because again, Cam Brown's been a really good player, been a very solid player. And it's nice to have a solid veteran like that back, but Ohio state needs young guys to push at that position. And that's one of the main things I, I, I think Jordan Hancock and JK Johnson, if, if I could watch a whole practice, you know, and practice eight of 15, uh, those are two of the guys I'd want to watch the most. Cause I want to see what they look like. Cause they're important to this defense. So as much as I just talked up the depth at safety and saying it looks like it might be as good as it's ever been, or not as good as it's ever been, but certainly as good as it's been in a few years. Um, if not them, if not J.K. Johnson and Jordan Hancock stepping up and being a thing at cornerback this year, then who? Because Cam Brown's checkered injury history does not lend one to believe he's going to make it through 15 games at a high uh, burden of reps this year. That's not me criticizing Cam Brown. I'm just saying it's been two years in a row. I mean, last year he dealt with the nagging things year before that, the torn Achilles, and maybe he can get through a whole year now that he's even farther removed from having a big injury like the Achilles, but it's hard to bank on it. You got to have someone else step up and be 
a starting caliber legitimate cornerback. And fortunately for Ohio State, um, and Ryan Day was talking about this earlier uh, back in the winter, right? That they felt like they hit a home run, as he put it, in the recruiting. And that's who he's talking about is Hancock and Johnson. And I had mentioned that as one of kind of my five questions when I was doing a spring preview was that, you know, does can one of those guys step up and do what Burke did? Can one of those guys just step up and be not a guy like, frankly, like what Cavazos was last year, where it was like, we feel we can put you on the field, which to me is a different bar than we're in, we're enthused to put you on the field. That's what they need. They need more cornerbacks that they're excited are out on the field because they know they can make plays. And Cam Brown makes plays when he plays. He's actually been pretty solid when he plays. But A, because of the injury history, and B, I these guys athletically, it's there's just a higher ceiling there for both of those guys if they can hit as early as this year. Jair Brown and Ryan Turner, two of the true freshmen who are out there working at corner too. J.K. Johnson and Jordan Hancock, though, Stephen, kind of like a parting gift from Kerry Combs, right? I mean, this is a, a final reminder of like, hey, Kerry Combs is pretty good at recruiting secondary guys. And he's at Cincinnati now. And I wrote a story uh, the other day about all the nice things that Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant said about Perry Aliano, who is now the safeties coach for Ohio State. But Hancock and Johnson, that's the level of corner that Kerry Combs kind of brought in here consistently, and now they're going to help Ohio State. He went and got J.K. out of Missouri, um, which Ohio State's got, you know, an interesting pass with Missouri right now, especially when it comes to wide receivers. And they flipped Jordan Hancock from Clemson. I mean, that should tell you right now what type of prospects there are. But, yes, he left the first time and the quarterback recruiting went astray. He came back and immediately got back on pace, and now he's left again. But it looks like it's going to keep going, and it starts with those two guys. All right, let's do linebacker. Linebacker, pretty simple, except it's complicated. It's a Mike and a Will. They're similar positions. So there's not, you know, again, we're asking like, ah, Jim Knowles, what do you call this? It's like, the Mike and the Will, man. What is it? Okay. That's what everybody calls it. We get it. Thinned a little bit, thinned a little bit, at least because I thought there was a time when I thought there might be 13 linebackers and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And there's so you could have as many as 13 linebackers, scholarship linebackers. I thought maybe, but court Williams, not a linebacker. That's down to 12. Kate Stowe. No, Kate Stover still is uh, Mitchell Melton was working with the defensive ends as well as the linebackers. They said, Ryan Day said, he'll do a little bit of both. Jim Nelson said he'll do a little of both. We saw him with the defensive ends. So that maybe thins him out from like a pure linebacker standpoint, because we'll get to what that might mean if you're half a defensive end and half a linebacker. And actually, maybe that's only that's only two guys, because Kate Stover did come in. I was thinking, oh, Kate Stover went to tight end. It's like, no. I asked Kevin Wilson at the end. So Kate Stover... Ryan Day said a whole thing. We like to let the players choose where they want to play. Cade Stover basically has a defensive streak in him. You can tell, Nathan, that's the kind of guy he is. And then we got Kevin Wilson, who's the offensive coordinator, but also the de facto tight ends coach. And as he was leaving, I was like, yeah, we didn't ask you about Cade Stover. Do you think, because Ryan Day left it open. I'm like, oh, maybe he'll go back to tight end every now and then. And I asked Kevin Wilson, do you think you'll see Cade in your room anymore? And he was like, I, he gave some answer like, I can't politically answer that but it felt like, nope, he's gone. He's a linebacker. <laughs> it's over. He is not a tight end. He is fully a linebacker. Is it fair to, for us to think of Cade Stover, Nathan, as fully a linebacker? 
I'm thinking of him as fully a linebacker until I see otherwise. I thought it was funny that Kevin Wilson, like literally within minutes of bringing up uh, Russia and Ukraine in the middle of a, a different question, now all of a sudden says like, oh, Kate Stover, that's too political of a topic for me to touch on in this interview on the first day of spring practice, which I uh, joked with him about and I don't think he appreciated. Um, I don't know if Kevin Wilson and I don't think, I don't know if our senses of humor are, are locked up. I've tried to banner with him before. And he just kind of looks at me like, like I'm it, like it's a different language, which is kind of the illusion well, he was making in that. It's it's Indiana guy versus Purdue guy there. Um, not that you're a Purdue yes. guy, but you covered. He might perceive yeah. you as a Purdue guy, as the former head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers. Might be more like Midwest against like Southwest, or maybe like tubby nerd against like actual athlete, something like that. I think those might be the actual more. Um, disconnects that we have uh what was the question bean field bean field against not a bean field right well the question was caged over yeah he's 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 a linebacker until until we actually see him play tight end again i think um now maybe is this a situation where we could be looking at a um um god how is the name escaping me now um 2019 um Defensive end that played some tight end or vice versa. Rashad Berry. Rashad Berry. Rashad Berry. Um, could it be a situation like that where they pull him out situationally? I don't know. I think there would have to be. I think there would have to be numbers need in the tight end room before Kate Stover got back there. I think there would have to be a problem with Joe Royer or G Scott on a long term basis before Kate Stover played any more tight end. But they have a numbers need. They have it right now. They don't have any tight ends. They have no, oh, but I'm saying, well, they have more mean quality need. Yes, I'm talking about injuries. I'm not right. I think it would have to be a, a numbers need beyond what they already have, is what I'm saying. That right now they have enough tight ends or will have enough tight ends to get through a season. We don't know how good and the best ones are going to be yet, but if they just literally have a hard time finding enough tight ends to line up, that's when. Kate Stover would probably move back, potentially move back. But I think he's a linebacker at this point. Because so they, I think the the, the, the the critical thing here is that Ryan Day is now saying the same thing that Kevin Wilson himself said during the Rose Bowl, which was, we need to stop saying what's best for the team with Kate Stover. We need to start stop jerking him around and say, what do you want to do? And now let's go do it. And Jim Knowles said something, I think, today, right, about how we need to give him a, a job where he can – attack we need to give him and i think some of this comes down to at some point you have to give a guy an identity so he can like mentally let that mentally embrace that and like go into a game and have confidence that he's attacking in the right way to use jim Knowles' term yes but they gave him that job last year and they said you're the second tight end on a team that's trying to win a national championship it's not like he didn't have something to do and ryan day said he wants to make an impact and like the impact would be like, if you stayed at tight end, you would be the starting tight end. And if you go to linebacker, you might be the eighth linebacker. So he clearly, he wants to be a linebacker and they're letting him be that because that's what he wants to do. I think the, the route to him getting on the field to me is much easier at tight end. Steven, is that I'm not crazy there. Right. I mean, like he's got CJ Hicks. He's got chip Trainum, He's got steel chambers. He's got Cody Simon. He's got Tommy Eichenberg. He's got a million guys ahead of him at linebacker. Um, I think. I mean, I think you're right. Just based off there are less because uh, I feel like your argument is there are less people standing in line to get on the field, so you should yes. go to that line, which is fine. 
but I do think his ceiling is higher as a linebacker than it ever was as a tight end. And I think he believes that too. And like his personality, he is the stereotypical 1992 linebacker who likes to go hit people with his cowboy collar on. And then he goes and works on a farm that like he is that type of personality. So I think that that fits him better. And it's a, it gives him a higher ceiling than tight end ever was going to be because even when he was the second best tight end, it wasn't like he was very good at the job. Well, so the thing is, and when they, we're going to do the, the offensive pot on Wednesday, but when they talked about the tight ends, they talked about how both Joe Royer and G Scott, who feel like the top two tight ends right now, are mm-hmm. more like Wise, which is like the flexed out receiver kind of Ruckert tight end, and that the inline tight ends, the blocking tight ends, are Sam Hart and Bennett Christian, and that's what Cade Stover is. So it's even like the other guys who are the best tight ends are different types of tight ends from him. They need him to be Luke Farrell, but he doesn't want to be Luke Farrell. He wants to be yeah. Andy Katzenmoyer. So that's fine. But guess what? Ohio State doesn't – they don't play Andy Katzenmoyers anymore. You could put on a cowboy collar. Like, that's not really how you play linebacker anymore, but that's how they want you to play tight end. Cade Stover can do what he wants. But I will just tell you, the tight end group that was out there, Cade Stover, Taraja Mitchell, C.J. Hicks, Chip Trainum, Pei Gayatote, who I can never say his name, sorry, Steel Chambers, oh, yeah. Reed. Reed Carrico, Cody Simon, Tommy Eichenberg, Gabe Powers. That's 10 linebackers for two spots. And there's nothing more to gain from that. Taraja Mitchell was kind of leading them from drill to drill. I mean, even though he barely played at the end of last year, he's a captain. He's still like a leader in that group. So I don't know. We can all, like, right, Nathan, all spring, all preseason, we're going to be like, who are the two best linebackers? Who are the two best linebackers? And I don't know when we're going to get clarity on that. And it may be, again, there's five that play. But, like, someone asked about, hey, Chip Trainum, he's making a transition coming from Arizona State. He was a running back there. He's going to be a linebacker. And Jim Knowles was like, I, he's at the, starting at the same point to me. Everybody's starting new, which, again, I guess is good, Nathan, for Kate St- Cade Stover. But also, it's 10 guys starting new for two spots, and that's a crowded room. Yeah, he did give some insight just into how he looks at linebacker. He was asked, you know, how much do Mike and Will differentiate for you? And he said, not that much. That, you know, somebody's obviously got to make the calls, but I don't think athletically he looks at them especially different, which is a departure from at Ohio State where it seemed like there was a very specific kind of athlete that was playing a lot of middle linebacker here these last three, four, five years. Um, and I think you're going to maybe see a, a turn towards just a more athletic profile there overall, you know, saying that it, he wants, uh, what did he say? Like complete, complete versatility. Was that the term? He said this, yes. there's not much difference between our two linebacker positions and they really need to be able to play in the box and in space on the edge, in the box and in space blitz and cover. So we're really looking for complete versatility out of those positions. I mean, if I find that guy who is more of just an internal tackle guy, I can adjust to make sure he's in that position. But right now, I want to put the guys as in many different positions as possible to see what they're good at. So I can put so I can build things around what we have here. So, Nathan, to your point, he would like two flexible linebackers. But like, I don't know if that's like a Cade Stover nod, if it's a Tommy Eichenberg nod, if it's a Chip Trainum nod. Hey, listen, there might be some big physical guys. Steel Chambers. Oh, Steel Chambers is pretty fleet of we can move right that it's like we're going to play the best guys but ideally it's two interchangeable guys who can do it all but that again tough borland just like wouldn't have fit that tough borland was not great in space he was good in the box but you can't 
you didn't you didn't want to say tough Borland because you know it's a trigger word on well, this podcast, but it's okay well, to say it. But no, but frankly, I mean, Tommy Eichenberg might be in this conversation too. I mean, it, it's there. Are you all of those things? I mean, Tommy Eichenberg did a great job making a bunch of tackles against Utah. Can he go cover the way that Jim Knowles is talking about it? That that sort of thing is is kind of how I'm thinking through this as the spring progresses. I want to, as we see later practices, hopefully maybe we'll get to see some more scrimmage situations and see who's actually lining up in those two spots. I think he's going to pick five. And the fifth one is going to be Tommy Eichenberg, and he's going to be like Justin Hilliard. When they play a team where they know they're just going to have to stack the box, that's when you see that's the game where Tommy Eichenberg plays the most snaps. But most of the time, the the top four are just going to rotate through those spots. Now, I'm not going to sit here and name who those four will be um, after one spring practice, but I do know number five is going to be Tommy Eichenberg. I would, I would bet money on that just because you do need that specialty linebacker when you want to put four guys out there if you're going to play in the Big Ten. They've got Wisconsin on the schedule this season. They've yep. got Iowa on, those, on the schedule this mm-hmm. season. It's two places where you need to be able to play um, three linebackers and, and that kind of thing and what you're talking about, Steven. All right, we'll take our last break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the defensive line. We'll talk about some of the guys sitting out spring next on Buckeye Talk. This is your Tuesday afternoon podcast. Wednesday morning, we'll drop an offensive look. Same kind of thing, C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Evan Pryor, Paris Johnson, Donovan Jackson. When we were talking about what we should do first, there's more uncertainty with defense for sure, with three new defensive coaches, a new defensive coordinator, and they need to find some dudes because the defense defense wasn't good enough last year. I thought there was some very interesting, specific context around some individual offensive players, even though we think we know what's up with a lot of them. I thought there was good conversation there. That'll come to you on the Wednesday Buckeye Talk. Nathan, both sides of the ball – Jerry, I make the SID gave us a list of these are 10 guys who will not participate this spring, because when we went out and looked there this morning, we're trying to say, oh, this guy's not here. Oh, what? what's the list of 10? I think it's seven scholarship guys and two walk ons plus Mitch Rossi, who's a walk on who then was on scholarship. Who are the who are the 10 guys who we just know are not going to be out there? So on offense, and again, we'll talk about that more in the next pod, but Harry Miller, Josh Fryer, Marcus Crowley. Um, and Mitch Rossi, who you mentioned, uh, and and of uh, uh, most of the, I guess Miller and we knew had dealt with injuries. Fryer, I don't know if that's a surprise. Crawley, we knew was coming back from injury. Rossi, I actually saw Mitch Rossi at practice, um, or someone who was wearing a Mitch Rossi jersey, and that was a little bit liquid today as to what number you were wearing and who you were. But he was <laughs> over with the group of some of these other guys. I'm about to read off doing some stuff on the side. So he's not hermetically sealed somewhere, but um, not in full practices for the spring. And on the defensive side, uh, Tyler Friday, uh, who was coming off the ACL, Tyler, uh, Jacoby Cowan, Jansen Dunn, banged up a lot last year, Ryan Batch and Cade Kaczerski, two guys who are mostly, you know, those special cons. teams guys. Yeah. And then Lathan Ransom, who again, we know is coming off a broken leg. So those are the 10 defensive line, Nathan, we, so Tyler Friday, you mentioned he's a defensive end, what did not play last year, right? Uh, but Javante John Baptista and Zach Harrison also off to the side at least part of the time when we were watching on Tuesday morning, right? Yeah, and that's not necessarily a shock. We've seen that before, especially from veterans, like fourth and fifth year guys. If there's anything nagging, the urgency isn't necessarily there for them at the first practice. So it didn't shock me that those guys might have been working off the side. And I don't know if I read a lot into it yet. I want to see what those guys are when we come back from spring break. It is interesting, though, Stephen, you take out Friday, Jean-Baptiste, and Harrison, and it's like there's not a ton of ends left. 
So JT Tumaloa was out there looking good. Jack Sawyer was out there. And then I guess I, I didn't see, I didn't write down Caden Curry, but he's here, right? Yes. Isn't he one of the early guys? Yes. So I think those are the other guys who would be out there. I will say it's like one of these things. If we text, I texted this out. It's like, hey, man, I don't know. First day of practice is like, who looks good? Uh, watching defensive linemen run through a drill where they're doing a little fast yeah. steps forward and backward through the little pads. JT2 Maloa looks like he's doing it at the combine. He doesn't look yep. like he's doing it at the beginning of spring practice of his second year. He has quick feet for a big guy. He moves really well. And it's like, line these guys up and say, name the five starts. Like that guy, that guy right there, right there, that guy right there. Yeah. So JT2 Maloa looks like JT2 Maloa when he's doing drills. And if you want to put a little scratch on the side, on like the uh, JT2 Maloa All-American kind of thing. I'll tell you one drill on the first day of spring practice. I, you know, Set a little money aside for that. I'll buy stock for the kid who showed up two weeks before fall camp, ended up starting in some games and playing, I think, what, third most snaps among defensive ends. Now getting a chance to have a normal offseason with Larry Johnson turning into an All-American. I'll buy stock in that. But no, in all seriousness, the Zach Harrison thing, to the point Nathan just made, was sometimes if you've got these older guys that are probably on pitch counts, I won't be shocked if Zach's just on a pitch count because he's been playing – significant minutes since he was a freshman. So I don't know who who needs for for what their ceiling is as an Ohio State football player, who needs more spring football reps? JT and Jack or Zach Harrison? I'd probably scream JT and Jack. So okay, fine. Zach's probably on a pitch count during the spring and they'll ramp him up in the fall. Meanwhile, those two five stars can get those reps and get, you know, take that next step in their development. And then defensive tackle, uh, Teron Vincent and Jerron Cage seem to be like the guys at the front of the line leading the tackles through stuff, but they're deep, the tackle. We know that. Beyond Cage and Vincent, Ty Hamilton, Tyleek Williams, Mike Hall, who didn't really play much last year. He's working in there now. He's a big-time recruit. Uh, Jade McKenzie. Like, they just have a lot of guys, Nathan. And, and again, that's not going sort itself to sort itself out in the first day of spring practice. But, again, talking about – where they seem to have some depth, but man, wouldn't it be nice to have a guy become all big 10? They have six legitimate tackles. You'd like to see one of those guys really be a stud in 2022. I've been thinking about this a lot because it seems like tackle has been a a position that maybe we've overlooked just because we talk, everything else seems like so much more urgent um, on the defense, but how long it's been since they've had a guy there who really, I mean, you would have a better perspective, Doug. Like we saw a little bit from Davon Hamilton being that like a bit of a force in the middle. Tommy Togai kind of did it a little bit, but Draymond like, in 18, Draymond Jones in yeah, 2018. Yeah. tackle was really good. So I think they that was something that lacked a little bit last year. We saw flashes from the young guys. I think they need that like presence though in the middle again. And as much as those guys like rotated through, and we saw some good things that that if somebody can make that step up and be um, more consistent, whether it's Tron Vincent, who the guys at the draft were, t- were talking a lot about, um, whether it is one of these really young guys, a, a freshman or, or I mean, a sophomore or a third year guy who can do it. But but somebody kind of has to. I think that was it was clearly missing from last year's team. I think those things often are clearly missing when you have a team that struggles to stop the run. And it's a, a critical thing for them to find to improve against the run. The uh, so Haskell Garrett, obviously an all American at defensive tackle in 2020 as well. Don't want to overlook him. The 
thing, I think I said this on the pod, again, on the list of things that I want to write and I just can't get to. When I went to the national championship game in India for that Florida, excuse me, the Georgia-Alabama game, you look at a game, Georgia guys, Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, who just set the combine on fire as 300-plus pounders who are running super fast. And then Jalen Carter's back at Georgia in 2022. He's going to be an All-American. And Phil Mathis from Alabama, not that far behind. It's like – What's the difference? What's the difference? I'm watching these two. And that to me, that was like the number one difference between what those teams had that Ohio State doesn't. And that goes back. That's back to the conversation that we had about Ohio State after the 2007 National Championship game when LSU had Ricky Jean Francois and Glenn Dorsey. And you were like, where are those guys at Ohio State? And then they got Jonathan Hankins and Big Hank was that guy. Man, wouldn't it be great to see like a 320 pounder with some quick feet on the, on the interior of the Ohio State defensive line? Maybe that guy's here. Maybe that guy's here. Maybe Mike calls that guy. Maybe Tyleek Williams really develops into that guy. That guy might be here. But, and this is not anything against Haskell Garrett or Tommy Togiai or Draymond Jones or some of the other really good defensive tackles, Davon Hamilton that have played at Ohio State. But some of these like oversized dudes who you cannot believe how fast they are. How is a person right. that large that quick? For all the things that you watch in Ohio State practice and you say, wow, JT Tumalolo. And you say, wow, Jackson Smith and Jigba. And you say, wow, Paris Johnson. Like, it, there's a, that's been a position where there's been fewer wows, less consistent wows over the years. And man, when it shows up, when it's like there's a 315 pounder who moves like a running back, we're all going to know it. When Big Hank showed up, it was like, that is something I have not seen a lot of. And it'll be very interesting to see if that shows up in Columbus. I was just say, and it's why I didn't mention Haskell Garrett the same way I mentioned Davon Hamilton, Tommy Togai. Just physically, you're talking about a different thing. I yeah. think they need to find more of that that mountain in the middle. It might actually be worth asking all the interior defensive linemen when we get them with their 40 times we're in high school. But then also, I want to see Talik Williams do that against some ones. Because he had moments last year where it was like, whoa, he just exploded through a line. It's like, yeah, it's the third string center at the end of the game. Of course he got that sack. So him more than anybody anybody else from that freshman class of guys who flash things, I want to see him do it against the one. So hopefully in one of these windows, we get to see some good on good and we get to see what he really is. And so we can know whether any of that last, any of those five sacks last year were real or not. Tyleek Williams listed on the roster is 6'3", 315. Mm-hmm. Mike Williams listed at, or excuse me, Mike Hall listed at 292. Uh, Ty Hamilton listed at like 290. Tyleek Williams, I think, is the guy we're talking about. I think yeah. that's right, Stephen. And then, listen, that's a good start. Whoo, that's all right. Let's go kick some, kick some butts of some second-team offensive linemen. That's a good way to start as a defensive lineman here. Let's move him up the rankings of guys we're really curious about this spring. Go ahead, Nathan. I was say I know that we're there's going to be a lot of conversation this spring about who we who Ohio State can discover that like fills a spot that's empty or takes a jump. I do just want to remind people. Do you know how many games of more than twenty snaps Tyleek Williams played after the bye week last year? Zero. Zero. He had nineteen against Maryland, mm-hmm. um, but like he he was not a huge snap guy last year. And like right. even Denzel Burke, I feel like it's important to remember those guys did some things that some of why they impressed was like, oh, he's really standing out for a true freshman who's thrown out there for the first time. Those, even the guys who you, I think, are relying on in this Ohio State defense, for the most, really, I think everybody, um, are guys that have to make jumps this year. 
Denzel Burke didn't have a great Michigan game. Right. No. I mean, he wasn't perfect all year. So, right. No, nobody had a great, no. great mission. No, but Burke was good in coverage, but any of the other stuff that cornerbacks have to do, even going back and looking at some of those other games against the run, he was not very good. He was just good when it's like, hey, go cover that guy. Last thing that we want to talk about the defensive line, Nathan, you got clarity on this. There is this Jack slash Leo slash stand-up edge rusher that has been part of the Jim Knowles defense. This is the guy. He's part defensive end. He's part linebacker. Is it Mitchell Melton? Is it Cade Stover? Is it Jack Sawyer? Is it Zach Harrison? Who works into that spot? But Nathan, he said they're not working. I said, who is that? And he said, we haven't done that yet. (laughs) It's like, oh. He's like, I don't know because we're not there yet. And then you asked for clarity on that, Nathan. They're going to do it, but they're giving themselves like a week of a four-man typical Ohio State front first. Yeah, and even before I think you had asked that, was he had said, or maybe it was because in, that, in your answer, he said, we're using a rush end, we're using a tackle, which to me is like three, three tech. We're using a nose, and we're using an end. When I guess he's differentiating between a rush end and then more of a all-around end, whatever. R-T-N-E was how he put it out there and he said they're doing more of a conventional Larry Johnson four-man front right now and it sounded like that's what it's going to be this week then again they have spring break and then at some point they start folding in this new thing and that's why I wanted to clarify with him like you're not saying you're you're maybe not going to do that right he's like no we're definitely going to do that but it's just hasn't been they were kind of, you know, one thing at a time. They have enough other things, I guess, that as you're trying to implement a defense, they still have to partially probably um, identify who they want to use there. So um, I, I was disappointed that they didn't have more clarity there just because I know that a lot of the people who are listening to this want to know who's going to be standing up and rushing the quarterback from that spot or running all over the place. And it does have ramifications, right? It's got big ramifications as to who is what in this defense? Who's going to play in this defense? Because there's going to be athletes who are good football players who can't do what that position needs to do. And it's whether you can or can't is maybe going to determine if you get on the field in some cases. That definitely sounds like where he's thinking Cade Stover, as you had mentioned before, when you're thinking about give Cade Stover a job, that sounds like what the job is. That job just doesn't exist in practice yet. All right, we got to go. We'll be back on the Wednesday pod with running down the offense. lot for real, a lot to talk about there, even though we think we know a lot about the offense. I think we have a good conversation there. A little bit of a leadership conversation that we want to have too, that Ryan Dave talked about. That'll be back on the Wednesday Buckeye talk for now. Thanks to you guys for listening again. Try the text at 614-350-3315. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Lee Maurice. And that was Buckeye talk. <laughs>